This is the Fire Podcast. Well, I'm here with my friend Layla. Welcome. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you, Ryan. Thank you for having me on here. I'm honored to be here. Yeah, I'm glad this worked out. Uh, we've had lots of technical issues with the last 45 <laughs> yeah. minutes. Uh, and so I know she's patient because uh, she's proved it. <laughs> so thank you so yeah, much. That was the test. Yeah, that was the it test. It was like a fire podcast test. <laughs> Just, I passed it. Yeah, thank we're, you, we're, Jesus. We're seeing your, your Christian character at work. <laughs> yeah. Um, I've been being filmed this whole time. <laughs> yeah, this is all a prank. Um, yeah, one of my one of my friends he uh, he had gone through a lot during COVID and government stuff and all of that. Wow! And uh, when he got on the podcast, I was like, "This is actually a, an expose, and uh, I'm here just to make you look really bad." Oh my god! <laughs> um, Did he believe you? Or? No, he he's he's no. just as goofy as I am. Uh, probably more yeah. so, actually. Um, but, awesome. but yeah, so I always like to start out with with uh, sort of how how we met, um, so that they have some context yeah. for uh, our relationship. How you even up on the show? Um, mm-hmm. Actually, I I normally would have prepped you with this, but do you do you remember like how okay. we first or when you first we first started talking or anything any of that? I think we connected. Did we connect over Instagram and then? I preached at your church recently. I went to Seattle and then preached preached at your church on a Sunday, yeah. which was awesome. Yeah. Um, but I think the first time we ever met was like just through Instagram, right? Yeah, yeah. So I think I started, yeah, I found you through Instagram. That's how I first heard about you. And then um, it it was really the Theos U, which I always talk about and I've talked about on this podcast and stuff oh, really? because that I still think I'm pretty sure your session on tongues is my favorite session on there. Oh, period. wow. Thank you so much. And, uh, <laughs> so for those who don't know or haven't heard me talk about it several times now, um, she did this amazing course that was uh, speaking to tongues throughout history. And like, if you're anything like mm-hmm. me, um, I had this kind of not crisis of faith moment, but this moment of like, it would be really concerning to me if all of these things we do in like Pentecostal charismatic type churches only came mm. up in Azusa. Like, so there's like, <laughs> you know, 2000 years since Jesus. And then just in yeah. the last like 100, 120 years or whatever it is now. We just made it up. Yeah. We just were like, Hey, let's do let's this just thing. Let's try something new. And, yeah, uh, yeah. and so I started like at that point when I kind of, was thinking about that i started looking into it and like okay it's it's here and here and here so it didn't just like happen acts yeah. and then disappear forever mm-hmm. and then come back and uh but you did an amazing job and if anybody who oh, hasn't heard you. it you should go get the lcu just uh just for that uh just for her oh, course thanks, man. but you you just going through and covering the church fathers and uh, mm-hmm. it was just incredible. And you not, you not only talked about tongues, but you talked about joy and pr- prophecy and all that. It was really amazing. Mm. So thank you. Thank you so much. <laughs> oh, I'm glad you liked it. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. And I, I think from that, then I messaged you and, and, uh, cause I think in the course you literally say, Hey, message me if, if you enjoy this yeah. or something. So I'm like, <laughs> yeah. normally I wouldn't have done that, but I was like, you know what? Um, cause yeah. I was, I was really she impacted. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, thank you, my friend. Yeah. Oh, I'm so glad. And and I'll, that was an honor to do it. Yeah, I'll, I'll add this in too, and then I'll I'll start asking you questions. So you, so this is about you. I was so impacted by um, the kind of the broader piece because you you went all the way from Azusa 
or not Azusa, uh, mm. all the way from the outpouring in the book of Acts from Pentecost mm. to now mm. to modern history. And, and there was a point when you mentioned, I think it was an Episcopal priest who ended up up here at St. Luke's in Seattle. And that was part yeah. of how the charismatic renewal got to Seattle. And I was really, God reminded me of something. There's an, there's an apostle who's lived here forever. Um, I'm going to have him on at some point named uh, Apostle Axel Sipic. He's in his 70s mm. and uh, just an amazing man of God. Um, and he, wow. uh, good friends with Ruth Ward Heflin, for those who know who that is uh, or was. Uh, she's in heaven now. And he he told me, he's like, one of the things you don't understand about Seattle is like, this is where the birthplace of the seeker sensitive movement is uh, or was yeah. and the thing about seattle is like seattle exports were apostolic so whatever's here we send out mm. all over the world good or bad um so you know wow. microsoft and nin- nintendo <laughs> and all this, all this stuff that's here uh whole, that's good. whole foods like there's stuff that's all over, oh, yes, over the country and all over the world that came and it's mm-hmm. from here. Bluetooth is from Seattle, like, no way. And, you know, and so we're an apostolic city, but we also send all the craziness, all the, all that stuff, like <laughs> all over the world. Well, one of those crazy things was there was a four square church here in Seattle. I believe this was in the eighties. I'm probably getting the timeline wrong, but essentially that they weren't growing past like 300 people and then they're like hey if we took out the lead the pastor he was like if we took out the weird the stuff that's scaring people away the tongues the prophecy the healing could we grow the church and so they essentially pushed holy spirit out and then grew yeah and uh i think they hit 2000 and then he ended up having a nervous breakdown from not being able to even keep up with that and that was then picked up by Rick Warren and Bill Hybels and all these all these guys that were really successful and God even used some of it and impacted like he he'll use it he he impacted the world, um, but we've now exported all over the world this seeker sensitive thing mm-hmm. where it's church without the one that should be welcome in the church we've pushed without Holy Spirit. God yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, and, literally yeah and so we we've made church for the people and not for God. And and so yeah, it, and built on people, yeah. built on like just human effort. Yeah. It's a human organization built by humans. Like, at no wonder he crumbled under the weight of it because you're not supposed to be like oh Jesus gosh, is the yeah. one who's supposed to build his church. Oh, I just I hate everything about what the seeker sensitive movement has done to the church. Yeah, <laughs> and so I, I got through. I'm I'm almost mm-hmm. positive I watched your whole your whole session or sessions, I think that's, I don't know how many hours, but I watched the whole thing all the way through uh, in one setting. Mm. And I got to the end and Holy Spirit reminds me of uh, Apostle Axel telling me that. And Mm. he says to me, he says, the blood of the seeker sensitive movement is on the city of Seattle. And I just, his presence was in the room, but I was also just overwhelmed Mm. and I'm crying. And, uh, Mm. and, and I just was like, Holy Spirit, what do we do? And he said, just welcome me back and wow come on yeah and so i shared that uh i mean that came out of listening to your <laughs> your session and just wow thank you you Jesus. know being so stirred again for the the gifts and and anyone who knows me i'm not afraid of any i love mm-hmm. all the gifts of the holy spirit um not afraid <laughs> of it but even more so fell in love with just the gifts of the holy spirit and the 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 value mm-hmm. of those things and like you know if mm-hmm. if we have to if we have to protect people from holy spirit we're actually if they're never going to be uncomfortable, they're never going to need the comforter. And like, it's, Absolutely. It's, it's literally his name. Like he, he'll come and do it. He'll make it make sense. 
And even even that phrase, like protect people from the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is the third person of the Trinity. He is God. Mm. So we're saying, oh, let's protect people from God. It's like, well, what is Christianity then? Yeah. <laughs> is it a relationship with God or is it some like something you've formulated, some idol mm. that you've made up, you know, because that's not Christianity if you have to remove God from it. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, that's where we're at. That's where we're at now. Mm. We're seeing that totally. we're seeing the results of that. Um, and, and then, you know, one more thing to say about Layla is just like, I, I messaged you because I was oh, at that point, I messaged you overwhelmed and just like, thank you so much. You have no idea. <laughs> and then since then, we would like talk back and forth mm-hmm. here or there. And then I saw you're going to be in Seattle. Mm-hmm. And I was like, hey, can we take you out to dinner? Like eventually we want to have you <laughs> at our church, but we're like so small. Can we just like take you out to dinner? Mm-hmm. And you didn't care. And you like speak at conferences and you're speaking all over the world. You said you're about to be in mm-hmm. Thailand. And I, mm-hmm. it's just incredible that the humility, um, that you would be willing to come and be with us and be in our living room with such a small group of people, mm. um, that the willingness to do that in the midst of your schedule, in the midst of speaking to bigger crowds speaks so much about you. And, uh, oh, wow. and just even from what I've seen being in green rooms and things like that over the years, like I'm incredibly mm. impressed, uh, by who you are mm. and honored that you would even be on the podcast. So thank you for being here. Oh, thank you so much. I yeah. feel honored. I was so blessed to be with you guys in your church in Seattle and love what you're doing. And it's such an honor to be a part of it. And I'm excited to get chatting today and talk about whatever you're thinking about. Yeah. I have no idea. It's going to be, <laughs> it's going to be a surprise, but yeah. I'm here for the ride. Yeah, I mean, I let's just have a conversation. The, the heart of the heart of this has always been like I was having conversation in green rooms that I would I was so frustrated because I'm like these conversations need to happen in front of people. Like people need to hear these. The things that people are wow. opening up about and being honest about mm-hmm. and things. I'm like this should happen from a stage. And uh wow. so I was like God, what's the solution to that? And that's what the <laughs> podcast was birthed out of is like have those long form conversations ask the hard questions, like whatever, just completely unfiltered. Like, let's just talk and, uh, and allow Beautiful. the world to listen in. So, um, I do want to yeah. dig into, cause you've got this, um, you've got a mm-hmm. incredible background and you're, you're, you're very educated, um, which a lot of times does not equal spiritual, <laughs> unfortunately <laughs> uh, in the body. Yeah. Like for some reason, those things seem to be opposed oftentimes, but I, I do think that we're in this like divine moment where God is really bringing theology back to the yeah. charismatic and Pentecostal. Totally. Um, so can you just share a little bit, like how did you end up on that trajectory um, path mm-hmm. that, that you're on and, and studying the, what you're studying and maybe even just share some of what your, it's your dissertation, right? That Yeah. It, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So, um, I grew up in uh, Australia with a dad who is a professor of robotic engineering. (laughs) (laughs) So he's like uh, always been very pro academics, like you need to get a degree, you need to get a PhD, all this sort of Mm -hmm. stuff um, growing up. And so when I was like, oh, I want to be a pastor, dad's like, heck no. (laughs) He's also Iranian, so there's that cultural thing. Yeah. but yeah, no, he was like, absolutely not. Like, you're not doing that and stuff. And so along the journey, that's a long story, but along the journey, um, I agreed. I was like, yep, cool. I'll go to university as well. But, you know, God's called me to be a pastor. God's called me to preach the word of God and stuff. So there was a happy medium where I studied and also mm. um, 
you know, did Bible college and did an internship at a church and started to become a pastor and things like that as well along the journey. Um, so through doing that and just through honoring my dad and sort of doing that, um, I ended up doing a bachelor of history and international studies first, also mm. had a, like a Bible college certificate as well. And then I decided to do a master's in theology. So I did that in Australia and then I finished the master's. I was like, what a waste of time. I don't ever want to do any study again because in Australia, it's probably different to um, the scene in America. I'm not sure, but especially 10 years ago. So sort of like mid 2000s, um, sort of 2010, 13, all that sort of stuff around then for Pentecostal preachers and pastors to be getting their masters. It's like, why are you wasting your time? And I was like youth pastor, young adults pastor, kids pastor, you know, doing all these things at my church as well. So even having the time in ministry to study and do a master's program, like it's almost non-existent. So yeah. I was just like, I'm not doing any, any more than this. Like what, like this isn't going to benefit me. Um, and then uh, we launched a Bible college at my church and I was running it and stuff and teaching and everything. And I had a master's um, like background so I could teach it. So it's fine. Um, but then COVID hit and I'm a full-time evangelist. And my dad was like, hey, Layla, if you're not traveling anywhere and you're like, you're grounded at home, Australia was very locked down at the time. He's like, well, why don't you like try and get a scholarship to do a PhD? Mm. And so I was like, nah, that would be a waste of my time. Like that'll take, you know, many years and I can't be bothered and it won't help me. And, you know, nobody needs a PhD in ministry and stuff like that. And I was just trying to explain to my dad, like, you know, why it was different in the academic world or any other world to the church. And he's like, no, I think you should get it. I think it would be good. So I like prayed about it. And as I was praying about it, I actually felt the Lord was like, no, I'm telling you to do this. <laughs> yeah. Like, I want you to do this. So I was like, no, <laughs> I don't want to do that. So, yes, I went on this whole journey of getting a scholarship to do a PhD, figuring out, you know, what area I would do my PhD in and um, just got very interested with my historical theology background in the early church fathers and how Pentecostals can engage with the early church fathers. I saw a, a, a sort of synergy between different things that I was reading in the early church fathers about baptism and about the Eucharist and about the nature of the church and the gifts of the spirit. And I started to see things about prayer that I hadn't known before just through reading the early church fathers and I was like hey this sounds Pentecostal mm. like everybody's <laughs> been telling Pentecostals that you know this is such a new thing and the way that you see scripture and the way that you view the Holy Spirit and God's work on the earth is so new and it's so out of out of the ordinary and I'm going back to the very earliest church and I'm like wow no this is literally like what it was like so um sort of out of that um, desire to defend Pentecostalism and defend, you know, that this is something historic. This is something that the Spirit has always been doing. The Holy Spirit's always been doing throughout the history of the church. Um, I decided that I would really spend my time just looking into Pentecostals, engaging with the early church fathers and how we can benefit from that, how we can learn from that, how our theology can go deeper and how this, um, this ecumenism of the spirit that the Holy Spirit is leading by bringing the, the unity of the church together 
um, can be aided by Pentecostals having this sort of deeper foundation. Hmm. Wow. <laughs> That's incredible. Yeah. Thank you. I, I'm, I'm so impressed by all of that. I think, you know, even, <laughs> even the, um, the piece of your dad suggesting that is incredible yeah. just because he, I mean, you, you, you even said you were explained to him like in the church world, that doesn't matter. But I'm yeah, like, I, I'm really convinced, like, not that everyone's going to mm-hmm. have to have that. I don't have any, any credentials. People always question me on that. And I'm like, I got nothing. I, <laughs> I <laughs> listen to me or don't. Yeah, I don't care. Yeah. yeah I, I don't, I don't really care. Um, but yeah. we, we like, I think we actually desperately need people like you that, and I think that's where Theos you and I've got a friend who was on the mm. podcast. He's got the objective believer as a YouTube channel and stuff and SJ Newell. Wow. And there's, um, guy who does Jew and Greek and like the there's all these like almost like apologetics for charismatic and and just the moving Mm. of the Holy Spirit uh which is incredible and it's encouraging and then Mm. you've got things like the Jesus Revolution movie coming out and it actually showcases the the movie the Holy Spirit which I actually haven't seen it but I've been told that I should give that so good yeah. And, yeah. <laughs> and so it's, I, I feel like we're at this like this point where God is he really is bringing those together again, because I don't think it was always totally. separate. I mean, obviously, Apostle Paul was walking in both, um, mm-hmm. you know, in the early, early church and stuff. And then we uh, mm-hmm. through your course and learned a lot of the other church fathers were. Um, yeah. But it's just really cool because it feels like it's such a timely like even in that even in COVID, even with as as restrictive as Australia was, because it was pretty crazy there from mm. what I understand that that was able yeah. to be used to like hold, yeah. hold you down long enough to like get you to yes. into, like, Hey, this is what I want for you. Yes. Amen. Yeah. I love how God is so kind. Hey, he, he always makes sure we get on the right path when we're just being obedient to him and listening to him. Yeah. Um, and I think he definitely had to do something like shut down the whole world to get my attention to make me do a PhD. <laughs> That's funny. Yeah. No, but I'm so glad I'm doing it now. And I really see this revival and reformation for the future of the church coming through these sorts of things. And Mm -hmm. I'd always been feeling like a pull towards revival and being a revivalist. And it's only sort of just in the last five years that I see that, oh, my study is a big part of being a revivalist in this time period and helping to bring reform to the church Mm -hmm. in this time period. So God is so kind and he he leads us in his ways. He's awesome. Yeah. It will and I think too, like if I know I know the rest of the world isn't where we're at here in Seattle, but like we're getting mm-hmm. to experience kind of that postmodern world in a in a mm-hmm. country especially. Our country has been very um whether everyone was Christian or it's Christian nation, that's a whole debate, but like Christianity yeah. was prevalent and accepted. And here mm-hmm. we are in Seattle, we're in this like postmodern world. But it's not postmodernism mm-hmm. necessarily like Europe, where it's like been postmodernism with just like atheism. Here it's like postmodernism yes. with spirituality, and I, I think yes. and I see that a lot with like Gen Z is this like this openness mm-hmm. and this like spirituality, mm-hmm. like they're spiritually open. And if we don't, I feel like as the church, if we don't have the grounding in the word as well, yes, we're going to see more and more churches be spiritual and really disconnected from the heart of God and from the word of God. Wow. And so I think that that's part of what, even what you're doing um, and what you're called to is like, we need mm-hmm. like in this, like this, cause clearly the church is changing the way we're doing church is changing. Mm-hmm. Everything's changing right now. Um, and we're in that yes. in between where we're trying to like 
honor what was and what still is in a sense, but we're Mm -hmm. headed somewhere else. The world is changing around us. And we need people like you who can begin to define and say, like, go back to scripture, like, hey, this isn't a new thing. Like, this Mm -hmm. is what it looks like. This is what, what holy, Mm -hmm. how Holy Spirit moves in this way. This is, here's the the guide rails of that. Like, Holy Mm -hmm. Spirit doesn't do these things. Like, that's not, (laughs) you know, he's not, he's not, uh, you know, Paul said, even if an angel presents a different gospel to you. Oh, yeah. You know, that's great. Um, And so I think we're going to need the people who can speak to that and say, no, this is what the Bible says, because Mm, people are very biblically illiterate right now in the church. Yeah. Amen. Thank you so much for your encouragement, my friend. Yeah, no, I'm, awesome. I'm excited. I'm I'm so thankful, and mm-hmm. I don't. I haven't met uh, Nathan or Gabriel or any of those guys. Chris, I love Chris Palmer a lot. I haven't met yeah. any of them yet. I've got friends that know them and stuff, and um, but I'm so mm-hmm. thankful for what they're doing. I really am. <laughs> like the OSU, and um, it's just it's very important. I just I can feel God on the importance of all of that. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, let's um, shift gears a little bit to you had a, a visit to the Assemblies of God. And I actually wanted <laughs> yes. to ask you about that because right after, like right after you you were here, I was hanging out with the Assemblies of God missionary who was part of the global missions team. He just he just Amazing. went to Wales. Um, he's a missionary to Wales, but he was here hanging out. Oh. And uh, and I mentioned I mentioned you to him. I was like, yeah, she got into the archives and all this stuff. Yeah. Um, <laughs> So what did you what did you see? What did you experience when you were there? Yes. Okay. So I got to go with um, one of my friends who took me around the headquarters. And the headquarters in Springfield is obviously like where the um, AG, you guys call it in the States, but the AG um, national office is. Mm-hmm. Um, and then they also have like all their world missions and stuff sort of there as well. So it's just amazing. So in that, they have a lot of the history of the AG and you can go around and you can like see these different things. Um, but we went to what's called the, I think the Flower Heritage, Pentecostal Heritage um, Center or something like that for Pentecostal research. I had done a lot of my master's project research through them because they would put all the documents from Azusa Street and they'd digitize them and put them online. So I had like used them for a lot of stuff. Yeah, they're amazing. You can look it up. It's something like Flower Pentecostal Heritage Center or Pentecostal. Yeah, those words (laughs) in some order, (laughs) Um, whatever it is. But so I went there. So my friend takes me down and we're, we're talking to the research guy who's like over that center. And I was talking about, yeah, I'm doing my PhD and whatever. And he's like showing me all the new things that they've put online and everything like that. And then he's like, oh, do you want to see the archives? And I was like, yes, <laughs> <laughs> of course. Like, And then so he's like, oh, let me take you down to see the archives. So then we went down, like they opened this massive vault. Like it's like you're on like some, you're going into some CIA, like secret agent sort of thing. <laughs> I walk in and then I was like, oh, do you have the Smith Wigglesworth like papers and stuff like that? Like my friend had told me that they had some archives from Smith Wigglesworth. And the guy's like, yeah, yeah, let me let me get his sermons and stuff out for you. So he so grabbed cool. this like file. Oh, it was amazing. It's like got Smith Wigglesworth on it. He opens it. There's like all of these like papers, sermons, different notes and stuff from Smith Wigglesworth. Um, of like directly his sermons that he had just handwritten 
um, <laughs> for like different meetings that he was preaching around the world. So awesome. I, I was like slain in the spirit on the ground. I wasn't really, but it was just <laughs> incredible just to, to experience, you know, that. And I feel like, you know, when you're reading people's diaries, I, I spent a lot of time for different uh, research projects like reading John Wesley's diary and, you know, reading these handwritten sermons by Smith Wigglesworth. There's something sort of deeply personal and intimate when it's, you know, mm. handwritten. It's their thoughts like right there on the page. Um, so that, I don't know. There's just It feels like you get a depth and you get an understanding into them more so than just, you know, the sort of more surface level stuff that I'd read before. Yeah. Wow. That's so cool. Was there anything that like yeah. that you read or saw that was, you know, just one of those things that was a big gift to you or you walked away being like, I'm so thankful I saw that? Um, good question. Um, I don't think anything in particular, like nothing specific. Um, I was more connecting with like the preacher, like I, I, just the way that he had written the sermon um, and the way that it was flowing and stuff. I, there was just like this, I had this moment where I was like, oh, I know what that feels like when the Holy Spirit's giving you this revelation and you're writing it out. And it was just written mm. as he was receiving it. I don't know. Yeah. I, it's hard to sort of like articulate that, but it's like when you're a preacher and you're just like writing down all of these lines and these thoughts that it feels like it's from heaven. It feels like the Holy Spirit is inspiring those thoughts and you're writing it down. And I just, it, it was like I was reading that flow and I was like in the Holy Spirit speaking to him. Like I could just, I could experience that. I could feel that. So, yeah, as a, as a preacher, that was something that like just touched me deeply, more so than even any anything that I read that he, he had spoken or yeah. that he had said. Was there any kind of like... Um unique ways that he formatted stuff or that he prompted because like everyone who preaches like when you mm. make your notes you're like here like pause or here like <laughs> i want to pray or might want to like do ministry here take a moment you know whatever is there anything like that yes that you put in so no so he that he put the sermon title and had like scrubbed out like sometimes it would be scrubbed out and like no i'll i'll, say, I'll use this title or something instead so i love the like rawness of yeah. that um then it was like written out like this word for word, like what he what he would say, what he was thinking, you know, what the Lord was saying mm. to him. And then he just had put like where, the place and the year and month, I think. So one of them was like in Ireland and my, half my family's Irish. So I was like, oh, my gosh, this is a sermon from Smith Wigglesworth preaching in Ireland and he wrote this in Ireland. It's amazing. Um so, yeah, in, in looking at that format, now I'm like, oh, this is so cool because John Wesley obviously did that too. That was something that they did with their diaries. They write where they are, when it is, and write out the sermon. I was like, I'm going to start doing that because, like, I, I've travelled the world to preach and stuff, I'm in, and we don't sort of, like, locate or date or, you know, any of our documents and stuff. So I was like, oh, this is special. I'll put, like, Seattle, you know, 2023, and March or whatever whatever the date is and I think it sort of like reminds you of the time and the place and the context yeah. and you know everything else that surrounded that message that God gave you that revelation hmm. so that was cool yeah well, and a lot of people now from what I've seen <laughs> will preach the same message different places like and preach yes they'll have like a handful of messages and just kind of preach the same thing whereas like it seemed like that mm -hmm 
I mean, it, it sounds like John Wesley was the same, but at least like Wigglesworth and his generation and stuff, it seemed mm. like they prepared every single time. Like, okay, Holy totally. Spirit, what are you saying to this group of people? Yes, really so cool. many sermons. And like the works of John Wesley, because I had to read a lot of them for my master's project, but they feel like something like 14 books or something. That, like, they're, like it's all of his works. There's so much material that these guys came out with. Um, yeah, so I think even recently I've just been um, just challenged to sort of like collate the stuff, everything that the Lord has given mm. me, like collate it, that content, that those sermons, devotionals, all that sort of stuff and have it in a centralized place so I can actually look back on like, oh, this is all the stuff that, you know, the Lord has given me to, to resource the world. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think it's more than we think because we sort of just like do it each day, like posting stuff on Instagram or, you know, mm. putting something on YouTube or whatever. Um, it can sort of just get lost these days. But. Yeah. Are, are there any of the, out of the people that you've researched and you've read through their journals and read their, you know, their personal writings and all that and their sermons, is, is there mm. anyone that you feel like, <laughs> Is there anyone out? Of, I mean, I'm sure there's a lot, but like, is there mm-hmm. anyone in particular that in reading them, you're like, I really wish this generation of people would hear this preaching again or could grab mm-hmm. a hold of this? That's so good. Mm-hmm. So many. I'm trying to, I'm like <laughs> narrowing it down. In my head, it's like um, Spurgeon and Wigglesworth and Maria Woodworth Edda and. Definitely Wesley. I've read so much of Wesley. Um, the thing that I loved about Wesley was he's this Anglican who has this like fire encounter with the Lord <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and the Moravians and stuff. And then is just forever changed. Mm. And just watching him sort of navigate that through his diaries and his personal accounts of meetings that he was at. He's like, yeah, I was at this meet or me and my brother went for a walk or something and then we were laughing uncontrollably as God got a hold of us or and and then he's like oh yeah I was at this meeting and people like fell to the ground just in deep repentance over their sin as the the glory of God came and um just all these things that I'm like wow like I've been in meetings like this or I've I'm experiencing Mm -hmm. this sort of thing in my day but to to listen or to hear it through the um, the pen of John Wesley and to experience it through the eyes of John Wesley. I'm like, wow, this is incredible. Um, yeah. yeah, he writes other stuff about like, then there was this lady who went into a trance in the meeting and she had this word and I, you know, I asked her to speak it out and I knew it was God because of like X, Y, Z. And just, it's so it's like you're hearing his thought processing, mm-hmm. but you're also getting a uh, insight into you know what's going on this revival that's taking place in his ministry and then you know like he birthed a movement mm. that's taken off around the world and yeah it's it there's just something so powerful about these guys and just reading their their most deeply intimate works that you can get access to you know yeah I, john wesley i i love that you pick him because or you you bring him up as the main one he from what i've i haven't read nearly as much as you but from what i've read of him it oftentimes seems like he has kind of no idea what he's doing and he's (laughs) just kind of like everything that happens is just kind of a new discovery to him 
and, yeah. <laughs> and like there's the one story uh that he he talked about with um there was a guy who was imitating him making fun of him and then fell into a trance yeah. have you heard that one no he he talks about basically this guy was making fun of him and was imitating his <laughs> preaching in in a house like to a group of people and went into like basically uh they thought he was i believe they thought he was dead but he was still alive and he was having this like crazy encounter with like a trance of hell and stuff and Whoa, and they had to the they had to call John Wesley so it was like almost like the fear of the lord hit him and yeah, and they had to call well, John well. Wesley and then John Wesley prayed for him and he came out of it and repented and gave his life to Jesus and stuff I, like wow it, that's just, hilarious but then the way he talks about it and then there was a dead raising <laughs> that was similar somebody that they that got i don't know that he directly raised, raised him from the dead but was part of he yeah. was like and he but the way, at least the way I was reading it, it was like very much, it seemed like he was just kind of like, and then this thing happened. Like, I don't understand it. Like, and that's, it, yeah. it's, but there's kind of a beauty in that because you don't see a lot yeah, of that absolutely. now. Like, everyone now has to be the expert and act like they know mm. everything. And he had yep. like, there was like this humility I see in everything I've read with him where he's very much like, mm-hmm. I didn't know what was going to happen. And then I did this and then God did mm-hmm. this. <laughs> yeah. It's really beautiful. That's so cool. Absolutely. I think the like the arrogance in theology, the mm. uh, the arrogance that can come with theology and doctrine and stuff. I yeah, I don't really see in a lot of heroes of mine, you know. That's true. It's not what I want to be like. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, that's what is also interesting about the Wesley, you know, you mentioned the Moravians and Wesley like those are two of the mm. most true apostolic groups we've seen in, mm. and you know, near modern history. Um, mm-hmm. But then you've got all of these other groups that now currently are attacking are anti anything that looks apostolic and all this stuff. And I'm like, mm. most of your church's histories go back to this. And it's not like, wow. And this wasn't the days of the apostles. <clears throat> it was, you know, it was John Wesley and, and, and what he was mm. doing. And it was, uh, the Moravians and like they literally were discipling mm. potentially discipling nations I mean they're the reason that Absolutely. everything happened wow. in the U.S. they're the reason what happened in England you know and, and then other places wow um, it's really incredible but then there's this theological mm. arrogance that comes and says well all that stuff's gone none mm. of that exists anymore and but it's really just lack of education in history oh absolutely absolutely it bothers me so much that I just have to get out of like conversations like that when people like especially going off on like spiritual gifts and like charismatic stuff and all this sort of stuff when I know like what they're basing their understanding on is like completely false and completely just like just rubbish and ill-informed and ignorant I'm just like uh so annoying like the majority of church history actually contradicts you but that's fine no worries (laughs) you think you're like amazing yeah but that that's the thing is like no one talks about it outside of like Mm. some modern the more modern generals like we don't Mm. really hear about the writings of you know john wesley and his encounters with holy spirit in a Mm. field with charles wesley you know like we don't Mm. we don't hear about that and so that's why I think totally. what what you're doing and everything like that's that's why that's so important because I I think there are a lot of people that have genuine questions about you know yeah. like people falling out like is that is that you know just a now thing is yeah, yeah something we made up that's weird um, is, <laughs> yeah. is it all psychosomatic or something you know like there's all yeah, those questions 100%. but it's, it's kind of it's really similar to like 
the reason we need to document miracles well. It's not mm. not that every doc- miracle needs to be documented, not that we have to try to convince everyone, but like I love how, you know, Randy Clark and others have mm-hmm. Catherine Kuhlman did it too. Uh, John G. Lake to an mm-hmm. extent did it, had people verify mm-hmm. his miracles and um, so those those pieces are really important, and I think they'd be really helpful for Absolutely. obviously the people who have have determined in their hearts to disagree are always going to disagree, but there's going to be those who are seeking yeah. truth. Totally, yeah, totally, and that's that's what bothers me the most is that you know these voices who are like ill informed and ignorant are then shaping the thoughts of masses as well mm-hmm. on both sides, like on the really wacky, crazy, you know, charismatic side, and on the the other like complete cessationist side um so yeah absolutely as you've said i think we just need a deeper understanding of history of the church of you know the way the holy spirit has moved of diving into that and grappling with that yeah and then applying it to today yeah and then with your with your um your dissertation your is that what's called Mm -hmm. that's right yeah 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 thesis dissertation yeah so with your your thesis um you are looking at some of the early church, uh, like the sacraments and the, the different pieces. Mm. Um, is there anything that you see that, um, anything that you've seen that the current Protestant church has really not emphasized <coughs> that you've come mm-hmm. across that you're like, if we captured this again, this would be really powerful for the church? 100%. Yeah, I was having a conversation with um, a pastor. I was preaching at a, a church in Australia last week we were having this conversation because he was saying he was asking me about the sacraments he was asking me about baptism and he had all these stats their church is a church of thousands and thousands of people and they had all these stats about salvations baptisms and discipleship so just tracking when people you know put up their hands to receive jesus and they get on that track for for pathway for being followed up becoming christian and stuff um and then sort of like seeing has this person been baptized and then where are they now over a a period of about five years or something they had all this data from Mm. like thousands of people that had been saved and he was finding that people who got baptized sort of like early in their discipleship journey as they were sort of walking through salvation and stuff those people who got baptized had completely different longevity in their christianity to those and and expression in their christianity to those who hadn't been baptized and so he was saying like there's something in baptism like there's something about getting baptized that's super important but he couldn't articulate it he's just got these stats and he knows it and like the holy spirit's obviously revealing this to him but he doesn't understand why and I was like, oh, my gosh, that's amazing. Like, that's the that's the uh, evidence, um, like, sort of empirically for me, for the theory that I'm seeing in the early church fathers of them saying how sacraments are the way that God sort of, like, confers and appropriates um, spiritual realities into our lives. Mm-hmm. So in the same way that Jesus had to come in a physical human body to die on a cross for us. He didn't just spiritually work it out for us. He actually had to physically come in a physical body to die on a cross. And in the same way, we physically have to engage with these sacraments to receive the spiritual realities that are conferred and appropriated into our lives. So as Protestants and as, you know, especially in the 
sort of seeker sensitive church and all this sort of thing now we see all the sacraments as just symbols you know baptism is a symbol of being you know dead in christ and being raised to life this is your new life in christ and you're publicly declaring your you know your belief in jesus it's not just a symbol it carries supernatural power you know this regeneration is happening in the waters there's there's something that is spiritually taking place in the life of a believer when they get baptized it's actually being mm. physically and spiritually appropriated to them by means of them getting in the water being fully immersed in the water and coming out and so i think for me understanding like the nature of the sacraments and stuff that we see through the early church fathers and how they sort of carry that on from the apostles and their understanding of it i think just opens up a whole new world to us as protestants as pentecostals as as people who have sort of almost reduced sacraments down to something that is completely powerless mm. and just merely symbolic i think that's probably the number one problem or what one of the huge problems um that we have in in our sort of seeker sensitive churches is that we don't understand the power of the sacraments. So even taking communion, the, the importance of taking communion, the importance of gathering as a church body together as this fellowship of the believers and all of the um, misunderstandings to do with the sacraments and, and the nature of the church and all of this sort of stuff is leading to very weak believers, people just, you know, watching church online. You know, all of this misunderstanding is then... Uh, making the church crumble or the the sort of the fake church or what, whatever we want to call yeah. it, the extended church, um, to crumble because the foundation is incorrect. It's not right. We haven't continued um, those essential things. So, yeah, I think if we wow. can um, if we can understand this stuff about the sacraments and the early church fathers, they even talk about spiritual warfare in prayer and different things like that that would shock people if, if they, you know, read some of this stuff. Um but understanding that and just knowing what they've said and what how it exists and how to think about that sort of stuff, I think, would make us look at our Christianity and at the things that we do in a whole new light. Mm. Yeah, that's so good. <laughs> I think, yeah, I, I when I was at Mercy Culture, um, mm. there's this guy who is like, I, like I, I'm I'm friends with people there, so normally. Um, normally I end up like sitting with, with them up front or whatever. And this time, like, I just mm -hmm. didn't feel like I was supposed to, and no one invited me to. So I like literally was like sitting in the back, which is abnormal. Mm -hmm. It's, it's never happened when I've been there. Um, but it felt right. And I was like back there, mm -hmm. I kept seeing this guy the whole time. He kept being highlighted at the mm -hmm. very end. I went to him and Dr. Mike Brown spoke and, uh, mm -hmm. he did this incredible thing about heaven and hell. And, uh, mm. anyways, so it, but they gave an altar call really like no, you know, nothing, no emotionalism, no nothing. Just, um, <laughs> and all these people came up and, uh, anyways, the, this guy didn't, and I went to him and I, like, I could tell something was, was not okay, but I didn't really know what, what other than Holy mm. Spirit was like, go talk to him. And, uh, wow. and I was just like, it was really funny. Cause I was just like, Hey, um, you've been highlighted to me. Can I pray for you? And he's like, I know I was supposed to go down front. <laughs> and I was like, oh, Whoa. I was like, well, can, you, you want me to walk with you? Like, <laughs> and then, and so he did, and he went down and gave his life to Jesus. Oh, praise God! Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah, wow. and, and it was funny too because I, I gave him a, uh, I kind of shared 
some things I was picking up on. I was like, you know, when God, as we're walking mm-hmm. down, I was like, God highlighted this. And yeah. one one of the things um, was that his, uh, his heart was hard. And mm-hmm. I didn't say it that way. I described it a different way because I was like, I don't want to just be like, hey, your heart's hard. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it was the craziest thing because it was almost like the uh, interpretation of tongues happened or something because he was like, man, when you said that my heart was hard, he's like, that's exactly it. And I was like, mm. I was thinking, I didn't say that. Like I was supposed to wow. say that, but I avoided that. Wow. And uh, anyways, but after he, he gave his life to Jesus and he, um, I really was like, you got to get baptized. <laughs> I was like, have you been baptized? And yeah. he's like, well, I'm, I'm Catholic. I was baptized as a baby. Does that count? And I feel like that's oftentimes we have a lot of people, especially in the cultures, you know, our, our most um, most European cultures especially have some kind of Christian, Catholic, something. People have been baptized yeah. at some point. Um, and and I'm, I'm guessing you would say, like, the in order for the life of God to be released in that, they need mm-hmm. it needs to happen again when they're truly following Jesus, right? Yeah, absolutely. I don't mind. Like, I think baptism itself is important. Um, I think it's Augustine. Some different church fathers have ideas on it. And they say, like, you can't just be baptized. You have to have the faith that actually goes along with it for that baptism to work. So I would take that sort of position. I I wouldn't necessarily say that they have to be re-baptized. I think if they have been baptized and they have that faith in Jesus now and stuff, that's fine. Um, but if they want to get rebaptized, I think that's fine as well. Yeah, and I, man, like I, what you're pointing out, I think is so essential because mm. you, essentially what you're saying is, um, and this is kind of what we found as well. We talked mm. about this the Sunday you were there. Is like the almost everyone I've talked to who's struggling following Jesus, you ask them the question, "Have mm. you been baptized?" And nine times yep. out of ten, they have not been baptized. And it's because wow. the the power of of the resurrection life is yep. there's something about it that's transmitted mm-hmm. into you, imparted into you mm-hmm. in the water as you come up out of it, mm-hmm. and absolutely, and it empowers you to walk out the the mm-hmm. Christian life that you've been asked to live. And then so the other layer of that too, and I wonder if this is a big part of it, is mm-hmm. what we see with Jesus and and being baptized by John the Baptist. Like it's it's not only this moment of coming up by the water the resurrection life but it's also this and, and it's not only like uh it baptism is our public declaration of i'm following jesus now yeah. but it's also yeah. his public declaration of this is my son in whom i'm well pleased yeah beautiful and there's something like wow. I, I wonder how much jesus needed as mm. a human the human side of him i wonder how much he mm. needed that declaration of sonship over him to walk out what he was about wow. to walk out and I, and I feel like much of the mm. church hasn't had that. Mm. Like we haven't yes. had that, like experience that mm. spirit of adoption moment mm. of, you know, because we've just made it this like, Hey, this is this nice symbolic act. We'll I'll clap for you. And then the next person will go wow. and we'll just move you through. And it's like, no, like this is actually not only you declaring you're following Jesus, but God is declaring he's with you and that you're his yeah. publicly. Amen. I wonder, That's so good, man. I wonder if there's a way. I don't know. I don't know how you would track any of that, but mm-hmm. that's amazing to hear that you've got somebody that's actually got the, the, some of the data. The data. You. Oh, absolutely. Because I, yeah, obviously when like me doing my, my thesis and stuff, I'm like, I can't go and like figure out how many people this has happened to. Like that would yeah. take so long to survey. <laughs> um, so in my mind, it's just a theory, 
but seeing it play out in real life in the church, it, it's just, it shows me how important these things are. They're not just theological ideas that are sort of like out floating out there in academia and we can just have a conversation about it and write papers about it and books about it. Like, no, this actually is changing people's lives here and now. And mm. like, it's a matter of life and death. It's a matter of, you know, spiritually, whether or not people are going to enter heaven, whether or not people are going to make it through. So yeah, it's very important. Yeah. And, and so what all did you, what are, so there's, <laughs> there's baptism, there's communion. Was there anything else that mm-hmm. you? Yeah. Um, the other one that I was, uh, really struck by as I was reading was just like the power of prayer and fasting asceticism. Um, so just the way that the church fathers approached prayer and fasting. Um, Cause I think in our modern churches as well, we're like, Oh, that's so legalistic. You know, you don't need to like do things like that. Um, but the reason why they would do that is to disconnect themselves from the world and to mm. like push themselves into the Lord. So it wasn't like they were like, God is, um, God is withholding things from me. And like, I need to like prove that, you know, I'm good enough for him and stuff through fasting or this ascetic lifestyle. It was like, no, I need to disconnect from the flesh. Like this is something Mm -hmm. that like will help me to, you know, get a, a better perspective on what the Holy spirit is doing and what God is doing and stuff like that. So to me, that was a really powerful understanding of, fasting and even stuff that they would do that like we wouldn't do these days like they would like lie on hard floors and stuff like that just to like like really intense things you know they go out to the desert disconnect from the community and you're just like well that's really like intense that's really like I don't know like I had had this picture that's you know that doesn't see like the kindness of God the goodness of God you can connect with God anyway like yes that is still true but there is a disconnection. Like we need to crucify the flesh. We need mm-hmm. to like disconnect from the idolatry in our heart and stuff like that, which the Holy Spirit sanctifies us and we're on that journey. But doing things like that, like intentionally um, in, inputting like this sort of stuff into our lives, like it's like a declaration, like, yes, I'm not, you know, I'm not going to be focused on this stuff. I want to mm-hmm. focus on the Lord. I want to disconnect from the things of the world. I want to like surrender all those idols and I'm going to, the way that I'm going to do that is by, you know, physically doing this or whatever it is. So yeah, the prayer, the prayer thing and the desert fathers, their prayers um, just struck me, their, their way of praying, praying the scripture, praying the Psalms, um, the way that they would approach the Psalms is like looking at the Psalms as expressing every human emotion and experience. And so you live through the Psalms. And so the Psalms basically give you words to pray when you don't have a way to articulate what you're feeling or what you're going through. Um, You can like pray it over yourself. And yeah, I just thought like almost that embodiment of like engaging with the Psalms as like, this is my life and this is my experience right now and praying through that um, and the power that that then conveys to your current experience was just sort of mind blowing as well. It's like, Oh yeah, I would think like praying the Psalms. Yeah. You can pray the Psalms. You can sing the Psalms, but just the depth of understanding Mm. of like what those things do. um, has just sort of opened up my world, my spiritual world, I think as well. Yeah. 
Well, let's let's dig into that uh, for a moment, mm-hmm. like with prayer, because that's mm-hmm. that's been a thing. Um, even our team with a, a leadership meeting last night for our church, and that's one of the things yeah. we were talking about is prayer. And wow, personally, I feel like I've felt such a pull, like when we planted the church. Um, mm. Uh, even before we did, when when God told us to, I was like, I went on a three day. My daughter had just been born, so the fact my wife let me leave, well. um, <laughs> I went away for three days and did a water only fast, cut off everything, mm-hmm. and uh, and I only read, um, I read Adventuring with Christ by Lester Sumrall. I read the Book of Acts, wow. and I read Why Why Revival Tarries by Ravenhill. <laughs> yes, and I came out as so nice. messed up and like. <laughs> you know, good and bad. I'm just like, I don't know how to pray. I don't, I'm like, God help me. Um, I want to be used by you, God. I want to, I want to do this. But, um, I, I feel like, uh, to be completely honest, like I haven't engaged with Mm -hmm. prayer in the way, like I've seen prayer be powerful in moments, but I haven't gotten Mm -hmm. to that place where I'm like, Oh, this is like a, a daily power. I walk in in prayer. Yeah. Wow. And uh, it's been a desire. And then looking at like, mm. what do prayer meetings look like? Because I, I really believe mm. prayer meetings are essential. And I believe like <coughs> a lot of the older saints understand that. But like we, Absolutely. like the younger generation has no clue. And like, we want it to be a worship night. We don't want to do a prayer meeting. Mm-hmm. And and so, but then I'm like, okay, God, what does that look like? Because honestly, I haven't been mm. in a lot of prayer environments that like have wow. been good. They've been they've been other things. And, um, and so I'm like, God, I want you to teach us about prayer. So what, Mm. what have you learned? I know you spoke a little bit about when you were here. Mm. Um, but Mm. what have you learned about prayer? What, is there anything that you could, Mm. you could share with us that might be really impactful? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think first and foremost, like I'm the speaking in tongues girl. So just the power of speaking in tongues, you know, um, when we don't know what to pray, when, you know, we're built up on the inside through praying, in the spirit we're praying the perfect will of god Mm. so um i think when we when we begin to pray when we begin to like just enter into what the holy spirit is saying and just inclining our ear to what he wants us to pray and how he wants us to pray i think a great way to begin is by spending time just praying in tongues and um paul wrote in the new testament he said I thank my God that I speak in tongues more than you all. And he's yeah. like, I pray with my understanding and I pray with, with the spirit. I sing with my understanding and I sing in the spirit. And all of that just shows us sort of an insight into the prayer life of this incredible apostle, the prayer and worship life of this incredible mm-hmm. apostle. He's not just out there like, okay, i got to get to my next meeting in Italy and then I'm going to be, you know, over here in Turkey and then, you know, I've got all of this going on with this church over here and, oh, my gosh, the Corinthians, like, they're giving me a headache. You know, he's got all this ministry stuff yeah. going on and you see that he's, like, living this life of intense, like, prayer in the spirit that he's mm-hmm. like i pray in tongues more than any of you and so i think that to me that shows like this foundation of a personal powerful prayer life and especially praying in tongues just sort of gets us caught up in the things of the spirit the things of god and so for me like i'll um spend time just with like worship music on i love this guy on youtube called daffy t keys i don't know if anyone's heard of him mm-hmm. um but he just does he just does like continual 24-7 instrumental worship and he's just on his piano and it's just powerful, powerful stuff, just hours and hours and hours of worship. And I'll, I'll throw that on. There's no lyrics. 
I'm just praying in the spirit and saying like, Holy Spirit, lead me, guide me into what you want to want me to pray, what you want me to pray into. I think from there, obviously we have like the different um, structures of prayer that we can follow. So we don't know what to pray. The disciples said, Lord, teach us to pray. Instead of saying, Lord, teach us to heal the sick. Lord, teach us to cast out demons. Lord, teach us to, you know, to be these bold, you know, teach us to walk on water, teach us to be like you. They said, teach us to pray. There was something about the prayer life of Jesus Mm. that the disciples were just drawn to, that they knew this is the source of his power. This is where everything's coming from. He retreats and he goes up to the mountains and he prays. He has this kind of prayer life that we don't have. And and they're saying, like, Lord, we need you to teach us. So Jesus gives them this this structure to pray and he gives them the Lord's Prayer. I've heard many different teachings on that, um, you know, starting with a, you know, um, Thanksgiving and, and praising the Lord, our Father who art in heaven, he's our Father, and, you know, hallowed be your name, just praising the Lord and all of his attributes and who he is. And as you begin to declare that, you're declaring that over your situation, over your circumstance, all that sort of stuff. So you can sort of follow models of prayer um, in the Bible like the Lord's Prayer and also praying the Psalms. Like if you want to pray through them, you can literally like pray the scripture, just read it out, declare it, you know. Um, you know, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. You're praying that over yourself. Um, so I think doing those things, I've done those things definitely, um, led by the Holy Spirit through prayer. Um, just declaring things, like just speaking things prophetically that I know the Holy Spirit is speaking to me about. You know, the Bible says, if you ask anything in my name, Jesus says, I will do it for you. And so, you know, we can be asking for things. We can be praying and interceding and believing that God is on the other side of that prayer, that God is actually, his answer is waiting for us, mm-hmm. you know. Um, but he says, ask, seek and knock. So I think there's so many things that just... Um, through just even just reading the scripture and just studying the topic of prayer, we can find so many keys that can change our life and engagement with prayer. And the thing that God's been speaking to me about in leadership recently, and I've just been sort of like developing a thought on it, is that some leaders are very faith and action oriented. So they'll like, they'll put, they'll, they'll have a word from God, like, yes, God's called us to do this. And so they'll put action to their faith. They'll, you know, go out, step out, you know, start to make things happen, like led by God, like in the authority of the Lord, they'll go knock on doors, they'll do the thing. So faith and action is important. But when it's devoid of um, prayer and worship, prayer and worship, when prayer and worship has not been the foundation, we're actually doing the things of God the devil's way, because we're, we're depending on ourselves to actually achieve the things of God. And so I think the Lord wants all faith and action to begin with prayer and worship and he wants all prayer and worship to result in faith and action. Mm. And so when we're leaders that have that um, that synergy of we begin in prayer and worship and then, okay, what is the Lord calling us to do? How is the Lord calling us to put this into action now? How do I put legs to my faith? Um, I think that's like the perfect sort of like leadership model that we see in the life of Jesus, that he is, you know, continually adoring the Father, praying, and then he's going out and he's healing the sick and he's teaching and he's doing all of these things. So, um, yeah, I think all all of those thoughts, sorry, that's like a big like like bomb of like all my thoughts on prayer. (laughs) But 
um, all of those thoughts have been sort of swirling around just in formulating the way I approach prayer right now. And I think just get around people who know how to pray as well, like two or three, where two or three are gathered, you know, the Lord is in the midst and, you know, we can agree together on earth that will be yeah. done for us. Um, yeah, it's just so powerful. I'm so passionate about the church praying because I believe that that is what the Bible says yields results, you know. Yeah, I'm, I'm actually, this is one of my favorite <laughs> books right now, The Gift of Tears by Corey Russell. Oh, beautiful. Corey Russell. I love Corey Russell. Yeah. Yeah. He, he said something similar to what you were just saying with faith in action mm-hmm. and prayer. He said mm-hmm. he was he was telling the story of, of Mary and Martha where, you know, mm-hmm. Martha's like, Jesus, why isn't she helping me? Um, yes. And he, he said he said something really good because I've heard lots of people teach that. And it's normally like, well, what Mary's doing is the right thing. What Martha's doing is the wrong thing. And he's yes. like, that, that's not actually the case. Like Martha is doing the socially um, acceptable thing, but not necessarily mm-hmm. what's the most important thing. And so mm-hmm. he said, every, every anointed Mary uh, or every, every Mary will become an anointed Martha. Whereas Beautiful. like Martha is going about it the wrong way. She's trying to do the yes. socially acceptable thing and missing out on God being there. And I Beautiful. like that statement, I'm still unpacking because it, it feels like that's much of the church, you know, it's like, we want to do totally. the stuff, but like, he actually wants us to start as a Mary and then we'll do this stuff. Anointed, but we, <laughs> we, we flip it around. Yeah. I've been guilty. So of good. I know that. Totally. And um, these sorts of thoughts, like the Lord's been speaking to me about Mary and Martha as well, when, you know, Martha's stressing out about feeding all these people who have come to her house unannounced and all this sort of thing. And even just a chapter or two earlier, I think it was literally the chapter before, but might be two chapters before, we see that Jesus is feeding 5,000 people with the loaves and the fish. And so Jesus, who was able to cater like 5,000 plus people is more than able to work out the food situation in their house that day. And so it just, mm-hmm. as I was reading that, I'm like, wow, like imagine the miracle that could have taken place in her house if she had prioritized his presence, if she had prioritized that place of prayer, that wow. place of worship, there could have been a, a crazy miracle that could have taken place where it's like, oh, the miracle of feeding the group at Martha's house, you know, or whatever, because they didn't, they were all sitting at the feet of Jesus. Um, <laughs> so yeah, I think, I think you're absolutely right. I love, so love that thought from Pastor Corey. Um, oh, yeah, is, is that, you know, when we start with that, we become anointed Martha's. We see, you know, the miraculous of God flowing through our life and ministry. Shouldn't just stop at prayer and worship, but it should lead to faith and action. Faith and action should not be done without beginning with prayer and worship. Mm. Yeah, that's so good. Well, I know we're getting to time here. I had one um, one final mm. question for you. Um, and then, well, second to last question, because I always have a closing question. But mm-hmm. is there a miracle that has really, obviously salvation, but like, is there a miracle you've mm. witnessed or experienced personally, whether under your hands or mm. been in the room or something that has really yeah. shaped or marked your life in some way? Yeah. Oh, so many. I think um, one of the most deeply impacting for me has been um, a miracle that happened with my dad. So my dad was Muslim and, you know, converted to Christianity um, and had this just radical encounter with the Holy Spirit. And so, you know, my dad, he started coming along to church with, with my mom and us kids and as he's sitting there, he's hearing about the Holy Spirit. He's hearing about, you know, 
signs and wonders and miracles. It's the, it's the 90s, you know, revival was alive and well in the early 90s. Yeah. And um, so he's hearing about this stuff he'd never heard about the Holy Spirit before and then he just goes back home one night and being the scientist that he is, he's like, Holy Spirit, if you're real, then show me. He has this encounter with the wind of the Holy Spirit all over his body. And he's like, what a coincidence. That's not possible. Again, it happens a second time. It happened a third time. And he felt the Lord say, like, I want to show you that I'm real. I want to show you that this is real. Mm. And for me, knowing my dad, knowing, like, his way of thinking, that he is that sort of scientific brain, intellectual, like, you know, any idea he'll try and find all the holes in it immediately, you know, like, all of that sort of thing. Knowing his background and who he is and even that he was a Muslim, you know, um, has just shown me like, wow, God is so powerful. The Holy Spirit is so important. Encounters are so important. Um, You know, God is able to reach into anybody's life and he's able to change and transform them. He's able to show up in a powerful way. And so just watching that from the outside as as a kid, as a sort of six-year-old, seven-year-old kid, um, and then going into my Christian walk with that, just with that understanding, that foundation, has made me so passionate about the power of the Holy Spirit, about not removing, you know, the Holy Spirit from the church. I'm like, that's the very thing that changed our lives. That's the very thing that, you know, is why, you know, my family believes and my dad is now a Christian and, you know, I'm I'm in church and all of that sort of stuff. So I think that has really defined my life and made me so passionate that, hey, do not remove this. You're actually doing the devil's work when you do, you know. Yeah, wow. You're actually partnering with him to try and try and make the church powerless. So, And you don't realize it. So, like, I'm not against the people who have done that and stuff. I'm, I'm against the spirit behind it. I'm against the deception behind it. Yeah. And I'm sort of trying to come at that a theological way and a spiritual way and, you know, as a preacher, so... Yeah, that's been the most defining, the most defining. It, it's very much the uh, the Antichrist spirit, you know, like anti-Christos, wow. anti-the anointing, the anointed mm-hmm. one, like the anointing breaks yeah. the yoke of bondage. It's mm-hmm. anti the very yeah. thing, like Jesus can be a nice mm-hmm. nice teacher, prophet, all that, but mm-hmm. it's against the very thing that will bring transformation to people mm-hmm. and life change. And we, uh, we in the church partner with it don't even realize it. But yeah, I, I love that. There's something too, like when you see somebody encounter God and get saved that, you know, there was no way, <laughs> you know, like, because yes. <laughs> like, there's a lot of people that you're like, yeah, you're pretty close. Like it, it would, it would not, it wouldn't even be surprising you're almost to me. A Christian. Yeah. yeah. You're, you're like, you're living like it or whatever, you know? Yeah. But then there's those people that's like, God, it's, mm-hmm. it is, it's going to be a legitimate miracle for you to get them. Mm-hmm. And then when he does that, it's. I feel like it makes our faith so real and, and a lot of us Definitely. don't have, we don't have the faith for those kinds of people, mm. but it also, that faith comes through prayer. <laughs> it comes through. Yes, exactly absolutely. What we're talking Amen. About. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. Well, um, the final, final question I have for you, um, and then we'll let people know how to get, um, how to follow you and, and find you on social media and all that. Um, if if all the world tuned into this podcast and was hearing your voice, or or you can speak directly to the church, whatever you, whatever you would like, um, what would the message be that you'd want to give to them? Just take take a minute or two and just uh, share from your heart. Yeah, I think for me the message is always Jesus. You know, <laughs> He is the name above every other name, King of Kings, Lord of Lords. There is no name 
that's greater than Jesus. There is no one more important than Jesus. There is nothing we preach that is more important than Jesus. Yeah. And so I think to the to the non-believer who would be watching, I would say, turn your eyes upon Jesus. Hmm. And to the Christian, to the church, I would say, keep your eyes fixed on Jesus. I think when we do this, everything else starts to come into line. When we put him in his rightful place, when we're obedient to him when we're following him. So if you don't know Jesus, you need to know him. Turn your eyes upon Jesus. And if you do know Jesus, keep your eyes fixed on Jesus. And I think you'll be you'll be all right. That's <laughs> the answer. Amen. <laughs> That's so awesome. How can how can people uh, keep up with you and follow you? Yeah. Uh, so I'm on a few different platforms. I'm on Instagram the most. So if you want to talk to me, reach out to me on Instagram at dot uh, at layla dot nahavandi um so i'm sure the spelling of that will be in the show notes or something because yeah, yeah. that would be difficult for people to spell nahavandi um but yeah i'm on instagram i'm also on youtube so i've got a 365 day read the bible in a year devotional so just to help people who want to read through the bible but get stuck at places like leviticus and you know hosea and they're like what is going on in these in these chapters what is going on in these books um so on on youtube i've just basically made all these different videos for each day um, that walks you through the readings and what's going on and how you can apply that to your life um so i hope that's a blessing to people there's also a, a podcast on there called the eagle and child podcast that we do with theos you looking at the heroes of church history and how they can inspire the church of today um yeah predominantly I'm on Instagram and YouTube. I do have a TikTok. I do have a Facebook, but you know, I'm not really on those and I've probably still got a MySpace floating around somewhere. <laughs> I, I tried to track mine down. I couldn't, I couldn't get yeah. on it. Some, some people listening to this don't even know what we're talking about. That's what's absolutely. <laughs> um, Count yourself blessed. And then also you have the mentorship. Are you, are you still receiving yeah. people to that? Or? Yes. Yeah. If people want to be a part of that, absolutely. So um, that's on my website. So I'm mentoring um, women in ministry, leadership of any kind. Um, yeah. You can sign up for that mentoring program. Basically just once a month um, we get together on a zoom call and I'm sharing a teaching and just connecting with ladies from all over the world in different ministry contexts and stuff like that. So it's been super fun. We've had our first meeting in april and we're just about to have our second meeting in may um so yeah we would love anyone to join who feels like like that would be a blessing to them that's awesome mm -hmm. well it's been an honor having you on hopefully it's not the last time i'd like to have you again yeah, thank you we don't have tech issues and uh, yes. <laughs> we can talk longer <laughs> that's fine next time you're in seattle you have to come back yes love absolutely you. love you guys for yeah. sure for sure Awesome. Yeah, well, thank, no thank, thank you, you for, so much for having me on. Yeah. Glad to have yeah. you. Well, this is until next time, this has been the fire podcast. Thanks for listening to this episode of the fire podcast with Ryan Rhodes. Fire movement has a mission to bring people face to face with the real Jesus. If you love this show and ministry, please consider subscribing, leaving a five-star rating, and most importantly, sharing the podcast with others on social media. Also, would you please consider one-time or monthly support to help us sustain and grow this show so that others can be stirred to hunger for more of the real Jesus? You can do so by going to firemovement.com support 
Venmo at Fire Movement or Cash App dollar sign Fire Movement. Thank you 